Well, the barber trims my beard all nice, like an artist. Now, I didn't tell him to do that. I wanted the beard gone. So then I went home and shaved it off completely after I was done. I felt horrible. The passion. Rafael Devers is the biggest contract in franchise history. He needs to be a leader for this Red Sox team. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Are the Patriots close to playoff contention? Yes. Are they close to Super Bowl contention? Hell no. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Friday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Full show, all 90 minutes. We're up until 7 o'clock. A ton to get to. We'll get you ready for the UVM men's championship game tomorrow. Jay Alter from ESPN, who's going to be on the call. He's going to be with us in 15 minutes. He will be in Burlington tomorrow. Look forward to talking to him. We'll get you updated on the UVM women here in a second. We got breaking news in the NFL. The Chicago Bears have traded the number one pick in the draft to the Carolina Panthers. So the Panthers now will have the top pick in the draft, and they will get their choice of quarterback. Will they go with C.J. Stroud? Will they go with Bryce Young? Will they go with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? They will get their choice at it. I got to tell you, these are the days that – remind me why i got into the business right here these today this weekend this is what i love about this business the panthers acquired the number one pick three and a half minutes ago we're the first to tell you about it i love that feeling we got a uvm women's basketball championship game going on right now i got one eye on the microphone one eye on the text line and somehow a third eye on the screen watching this game we got a championship game tomorrow at patrick jim with the uvm men this is what i love about this business being out live events big sporting events big sports stories nationally regionally locally this is awesome stuff we are here for all 90 minutes and uh you can be in with us 802-585-3026 the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line is how you can get in. Again, 802-585-3026. Let's waste no time. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sixandstuff.com. This UVM title game right now is an absolute rock fight. Elisa Kresge said it the other day, right? She was talking to Andy Katz of NCAA.com. She predicted this would be a low-scoring America East final, and we are headed for what I would have to imagine is a historically low championship game total. Like, the score right now, there's four minutes to play in the first half. UVM is winning 10 to 7. Like we are headed somewhere for a final score of 38 to 36. Like I remember like most high school games have higher outputs than what this game is probably going to have. I misspoke a few minutes ago. At the end of the news, I said it was an ugly offensive performance. I really don't think so. This is excellent defensive basketball this isn't just two teams that are missing layups this isn't two teams that are turning the ball over these are two teams that are following their defensive principles and are playing really really well 
I mean, yes, 10 to 7 looks like an ugly output. And of course, you'd want to see the score in the 20s or 30s by now. But these are two teams that are playing really good defense. Albany, I got to tell you, they are in every lane. UVM is having a really hard time getting shots off. I mean, they are not able to get to the lane. UVM has been forced into taking threes, too many threes probably than they want to. I think they're 0 of 8 right now from three, but three is the only kind of shot that they can kind of easily get, and even those are not particularly easy. As for UVM, they are playing really good defense as well. Albany is getting a couple of more looks, but they're not knocking them down. Vermont is doing a good job at getting out to shooters. They're doing a good job blocking out. Like, this is textbook defensive basketball. So, if at the end of this thing, we see a final score of 38-36, don't think it's because these two teams couldn't play offense. They know how to play offense. They're both playing excellent defense. If you're asking me what this game is going to come down to, I would say for Vermont, they're going to need a really big performance out of Emma Utterback and she's been one of the catalysts for this team all year she is the fastest player on this team she has a quick first step she's kind of the only player athletic enough to penetrate what Albany's doing defensively right she can get out of transition she cannot run the field she can have a first step and blow by somebody off the dribble they're not going to be a whole lot of just one-on-one -on -one creation in this game if you're UVM. Emma Utterback is the one that can do it. Catamounts just hit a two. They're up 12-7 with a minute and a half. 12-7 to seven with a minute and a half left in the first half. Um, like, Utterback just got a steal, just blew past the field, and now it's 14-7. Like, that's what you all, that's what, that's what UVM is going to need. If they're going to win this game, if they're going to pull it out, you're going to have to think it's because Utterbeck did things like that, used her athleticism. Other players on this team are obviously very good, but in terms of athleticism, Emma Utterbeck is the one that had it. She just got another steal. She just went to the bucket again, and the Cats are now up nine. So all of a sudden, UVM now has doubled up UAlbany. It's 16-7 and one. Utterbeck's going to go to the line. And, man, I am, I am just excited. I love this time of year, and I love when games like this come to our backyard. I had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago, Brady, you're talking about UVM too much. And I don't know if they were referring to the UVM men, the UVM women, or both. But I got to tell you, I don't think I am talking about UVM too much. I am so pumped by what's happening right now in Catamount Country. I feel immense pride in what these programs are doing and in what these programs are accomplishing. You've got a women's program that's looking to get to the tournament for the first time in 13 years. You've got a men's program that's looking to keep up sustained dominance. And look, like I'm technically an outsider. I'm not from here. I didn't go to these schools or I didn't go to this school. If I feel this much pride, I can only imagine how a lot of you listening feel. If I am this invested, I can only imagine how invested a lot of you are. And that, to me, is why we talk about this so much. I get I get more engagement on social media when talking about UVM than anything else, except for this high school story from this week. I get 
more texts almost on anything else. You know, or I don't get as much text on anything else as I do when I talk about UVM. And I think now I'm so jacked up because I don't know when this change took place, but I feel more like a Vermonter now than I ever have. And that to me is why I'm so excited, why I'm so behind these teams. I'll level with you. First year I was here, 2016-17, UVM played UAlbany in the men's final. I was at that game, and I was rooting for UAlbany, right? The first year I was here, I was rooting for UAlbany. I I was from Albany. My brother was a student at Albany. I had worked at Albany. My first job in radio was at Albany. I had interviewed all those players. I had interviewed Will Brown. I had a good relationship with him. I was rooting for Albany. Like, it was great that UVM won, and I got a lot of social media content out of it, et cetera, so it was good for me career-wise. But I was rooting personally for Albany. And now, seven years later, I can't imagine rooting for anybody but UVM. Like, I just, I'm so invested, and I just feel like this is home now. I just feel like a Vermonter. So I'm all pumped. John and Moncton. Thank you for the updates on the UVM women. Keep it coming. Catamounts are up 17 to 10 with 30 seconds to play. The big concern, I would say, for UVM right now, the big concern is this. UVM on the women's side is not very deep. They will play seven players, but they're not very deep. They are getting more contributions, but they're really only going to play seven players. They are having to expend so much energy both offensively and defensively your worry is that they will wear down or tire now they are used to playing a lot of minutes right this team these starters play 35 37 38 minutes they are used to playing a lot but this is a different intensity this is a different energy level offense is hard defense is hard albany's gonna press and you start to wonder will they be able to hold up now, the Catamounts are up. We are officially at halftime. It is 17 to 10. That is your final. We got a football score and a low scoring one at that for your halftime update. 17 to 10 UVM. If the Cats are going to win, they're going to have to be able to keep this energy level up. I The only worry I have is that UVM will eventually tire. Now, Albany will have the same worries. They'll have to expend a lot of energy as well. But they seem to be rotating in more people. Now, I'm watching this game on mute. I have one eye on the screen and one eye on the microphone. I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm into it, but I know UVM way better than Albany. They seem to be playing more players. My worry for UVM is that they eventually tire. That said, they have, again, been prepping for this moment all year. Their starters are absolutely used to playing 35, 37 38 minutes again the cats are up 17 to 10 right now 17 to 10 at halftime all right jay alter from espn is going to be with us here in a couple of minutes since we're at halftime in the women's game i want to move over to the men's side of thing things i'm beginning to think that the catamounts are going to absolutely roll umass lowell And maybe I'm caught up in the moment, and maybe I'm just stupid. But I'm thinking that UVM is going to roll UMass Lowell. Now, I don't know. When I say roll, I don't think they're going to win by 40. 
but I think they're going to win convincingly. Somewhere between 12, 15, 18. I do not think this is going to be a game that we are sweating out in the second half. And as we get closer to game time, I just think this team has will, will have more motivation than I accounted for. Think about this. The UVM men right now, this moment, are in Patrick Gym watching the UVM women. They are seeing a conference championship environment. They are seeing it in their building. When you see that, how could you not want to replicate it? How could you not be jacked up by it? Dylan Penn essentially said that yesterday. Oh, that's incredible. You know, you look through college basketball, not many teams get the opportunity to have, you know, their men's and women playing in the conference championship. And the fact that we have the ability to host is is phenomenal. And when you got a great fan base like we have out here in Vermont, it, it's it's special, you know. And I'm excited Friday. I think it'll really give me give me a little, you know, juiced up to play a little bit more on Saturday. But you know, just overall, I think it's just a great thing for the school and for the community. So Dylan Penn says, "Hey, man, the energy and the juices—they're gonna get flowing right now." We're going to see it in front of us. We're going to see it in our building, and I'm pumped up by that. How can you not see what's transpiring and the energy and intensity in this women's game and not want to duplicate that yourself? Of course you are. I hadn't accounted for that. So UVM sees this game right now. I think they're locked in. I think they're focused. I think they're ready to go. And by the way, no matter what happens in this women's game, they're going to be motivated by the result in some way right? There's always a healthy rivalry, friendly rivalry between your men's team and your women's team. There always is. If the UVM women win this game and get to the tournament, the men are absolutely not going to want to be one-upped by them. They're not. They're not going to want to be the team that couldn't get it done. If the UVM women win this game, the men will look at that and say, okay, now we got to do our part. We can't let them be the only one to represent. Now we got to do it. And if the UVM women lose, they're going to look at it and say, now we really got to do our part. We got a chance for two. We can't get zero. I had not accounted for how this women's game was going to play into the men's side of things. And I think it absolutely does play into it. And you know what else plays into it? It's something that John Becker said yesterday as well. He t- the uh, UVM head coach was talking to the media, and he said this. You know, all the guys that are uh, exhausting their eligibility have been uh, at least to one NCAA tournament. Um, and, um, you know, I think we're, we all are, are hoping that we can um, um, deliver uh, for Dylan and, and, and let you know, have him get that experience. I hadn't thought of that either. That also is a big motivational factor. This team, these players, want to get Dylan Penn to the NCAA tournament. You look around. Every returning player on this roster has been to the NCAA tournament. Some of them have been to multiple NCAA tournaments. Dylan Penn has not been to one. They know the story of their teammate. You know the story, right? Dylan Penn's at Bellarmine. Really good player. They transitioned from Division II to Division I. They are ineligible for the NCAA tournament. Last year, they win the Atlantic Sun tournament, and they can't go to the dance. They cannot go to the dance. So Dylan Penn leaves and says, hey, 
If I can't go to the tournament, I'm going to go somewhere where I can. He chooses Vermont because he thinks he can get to the tournament here. His teammates know that he was denied an opportunity a season ago, and they want to get him that chance to dance this year. 100%. This team is very, very close. This team is very, very tight-knit. They want to send Robin Duncan, their leader, off on the right foot as he graduates, and they want to send Dylan Penn, their new brother, to the tournament, which he's never been to before, and which he had, frankly, you know, kind of robbed from him a season ago. I think UVM takes all of this motivation into account, and I think they roll tomorrow. The biggest key to that game tomorrow is going to be twofold. One, first five minutes, right? Or first four minutes until the first media timeout. What kind of tone gets set? All the energy, all the adrenaline, all everything in your building. If UVM comes out early, first media timeout, and boom, they're up 8-2. to two. They're up 10-4. to four. Then they get the momentum. But if you get down 10-2, 13-6, you're facing an uphill battle. You want to use that quick, that first burst of energy, and you want to use it to your advantage. The second thing, you know, the other key is that UVM doesn't get overly hyped. Right? I'm telling you, they're gonna, they got extra motivation. They're thinking about it tonight. They're seeing this game in front of them. They're going to go. They're going to be all amped up. You can't have that being amped up turned into being nervy, turning the ball over, dribbling it off your foot, shooting too hard, hitting the back. Can't have that. You got to be amped up, but use it in a controlled way. I am so pumped the Brady Farkas show in WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I know somebody else who's pumped up as well, and that is Jay Alter. Jay Alter is a broadcaster for ESPN. We've had him on before when he did a couple of Patriots games for ESPN Radio. He is going to be in town tomorrow. He's probably already here right now. He's going to be on the call, national television on ESPN2 of this game. Jay Alter is with us now. Jay, thank you for being with us. How are you? Brady, doing well. This is the best time of year. Uh, in my opinion, can't wait to get into Patrick's gym tomorrow. It's going to be loud and proud, and it feels like a, a staple of Championship Saturday that ESPN kicks off our coverage in Burlington. Yeah, the uh, the American East title game, or as I sometimes call it, the UVM Invitational. Uh, how did you how did you draw the assignment? Usually, this is the Doug Sherman Saturday morning special. How did you get so fortunate to come to Burlington? <laughs> I don't know. I go where uh, I go where they tell me. I, uh, you know, I've been in the ACC all year, and um, in years past, have done the ACC tournament on on ESPN Radio. And this year, the the folks at ESPN said they'd rather me on the TV side. So um, I, I I'm fortunate to be on the call, and really looking forward to it. Um, this will be my first time on on TV sending a team to the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of a, a bucket lister for me. Have you been to Burlington before? I have never been. Oh, well, you're going to you're gonna love it. It's going to be, I'm sure, 35 and uh, snowing outside, and there's still snow on the ground. So I'm sure you will love your, your first trip here. When's, you know, you talk about doing a lot of ACC games. When's the last time you did some real mid- or low-major basketball? Because it's going to be a different experience for you. <laughs> God, it's been a it's been a little bit. I mean, in the non-conference, you get to see some of it, right? Um, but in terms of a true 
mid-major game, I would maybe have to go back to when I was doing the Ivy League um, a few years ago. And, you know, what I actually think about mid, mid-major basketball is it's more of a chess match. It's more of tactics. It's more of the way basketball kind of is supposed to be in its purest form, right? Um, whereas ACC, it's, you know, hey, we're just going to try and out-athlete you. And so that, that I'm really looking forward to. Um, in addition to getting a nice cold fiddlehead uh, <laughs> later tonight, you certainly will be able to do that. And uh, you know, my advice to, or my, my I'll set the stage for you. Thirty-two hundred fans. It's going to be packed in. Patrick Gym is a uh, a nostalgic place. It's going to remind you of a glorified high school gym, but uh, it's going to bring back some of those old timey high school feels for you. It's going to be fun for you, I'm sure. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, I've watched it every year on TV and. You know, when I when I say it's a bucket list, it really is. I mean, I I I'd kind of been pushing to, you know, I love doing the ACC, and I, I've been fortunate to do it on the radio the last three years um, for the ACC tournament. But with it being in Greensboro, and you know, I, I just wanted I wanted to shake it up this Champ Week and to get this assignment. Honestly, felt like hitting the lottery because mm-hmm. uh, because again, it, it it is nostalgic. It is everyone's waking up. It's a standalone window. Everybody is watching this game, right? So many eyeballs, you know, as we as we get a, a huge slate of, of a championship Saturday going. Jay Alter from ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. He's going to be at Patrick Jim tomorrow, Catamounts and uh, UMass Lowell, 11 a.m. Remember, I've got the special pregame broadcast, 8.30 to 10.30 on our Facebook Live channel, so you can check that out digitally. I'm going to have a lot of stuff with some of your favorite former Catamount uh, players and personalities. Jay, as you've kind of started to dig into the research here, uh, you know, 15 hours from game time, 18 hours from game time. What are yeah. you learning about this matchup? Well, these are the two top teams in the conference, and obviously, you know, we're in the championship game, but it's not, you don't always get that, right? But if you look at the stats and the Ken Palm numbers, UMass, Lowell, and Vermont are one and two in basically everything. So I'm glad we got the right two teams in the championship. And I don't think there's a lot that separates these two teams. I mean, I think Vermont, obviously, the program has just been there before year in year out. So you would make them the favorites, but they're doing it with new faces this year. A lot of transfers who've come in and made a real impact. So, you know, they have the championship pedigree per se, but not necessarily with these guys. And then UMass Lowell's trying to make history first team to, to ever go to the NCAA tournament for UMass Lowell. So, I mean, I, it's really all to play for. I think, what will be interesting in terms of real X's and O's, and I don't want to bore your, your listeners, but, you know, how how does UMass Lowell use Kula Bali, who is a really back-to-the-basket big man? I remember covering him at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he's an ACC-level talent that, you know, UMass Lowell is really fortunate to get. Um, and Vermont doesn't have a guy that can really match up against him, yeah. and they like to go one through five, so that'll be – That'll be interesting. And then can they exploit Koulibaly on the offensive end because he doesn't want to go out and guard you. And, of course, the Catamounts always have five guys that can pass, dribble, and shoot on the court at, at all times. So that's a real interesting chess match. And, and it's funny, you know, I always look for the, the fun stories. The only reason Koulibaly is even playing for UMass Lowell is when he came over to the United States from Mali um, in Africa, his host family was Everett Hammond's 
mom and dad. Hmm. So Everett Hammond, who's a who's a, a guard on this UMass Lowell team, wow. <laughs> was like, hey, why don't you come play with us? <laughs> and um, uh, it's incredible. I mean, that that is a legitimate bona fide ACC recruit. You know, now in the America East Championship. How do you like the dynamic that the America East is going to present, where you get the conference tournament final? At a, at a home team's regular gym as opposed to the ACC style where it's a neutral site, as it is in most conferences? I think the America East has it right. I think this is all about serving the fans, and what's better than a home gym? You, you, you earned the right. Make the regular season mean something. So I think every conference should do it the way the America East does it. You get to celebrate with your home fans. I just think that is... That is what the sport is all about right there. And the other thing I like about it is that the game is guaranteed to be well attended. I can't tell you how many times you see a uh, a neutral site tournament where the championship game has nobody there because the, quote, host team has been eliminated. This always guarantees you a good crowd. I was watching the Colonial the other night because I think Kyle Charleston's a team that can make a really deep run. I mean, a really, really deep run. We're talking maybe a George Mason Final Four type run. Wow. And I'm watching them, and it's an empty gym in Washington, D.C. It's like, this game should be in Charleston. Could you – I mean, I've, I've called games in that arena. I did the Charleston Classic in November. It'd be sold out, 3,500, loud and proud. What a scene that would be. And instead, you know, you could hear a pin drop in D.C. So I, I, I think Amer- the America East has it right. You know, it's interesting. One of the storylines that I'm sure you're going to cover on the broadcast is Dylan Penn, who's – arguably UVM's best player, at least on the stretch, Finn Sullivan, player of the year, deservedly so, but Dylan Penn has carried them in the playoffs. He's only at Vermont because he was at Bellarmine last year, and they couldn't make the NCAA tournament. What do you make of the rule we saw bite Bellarmine last year, Merrimack this year, where you have this NCAA-imposed postseason ban? I did a a Bellarmine game earlier this year, and speaking with their head coach, um, it's a disgrace. It, it really is. It, it upsets me because we have to be smarter than this. We have, Common sense needs to enter the equation at some point. And, look, they've paid their fee. They, they've proven they're a Division One bona fide program. Maybe you do a one-year transition, but four-year ban for the postseason? I mean, uh, it's amazing they get kids to play there. Yeah. I mean, right? Everyone's trying to make the tournament. So, you know, Dylan Penn – they rightly win the ace sun last year and can't compete in March. I mean, that it's so wrong. You know, the NCAA is supposed to be pro student athlete, right? We keep hearing that pro student athlete. Well, what's pro student athlete about holding these teams out? I, it, uh, it's a real shame and I, I hate seeing it. I think we're going to continue to see it because I think there's a lot of these programs that are going to step up and continue to win and what are you going to do? Just keep holding them out. It doesn't make any sense. Dylan Penn has a very unique game. I'm curious what you've heard about him as uh, you continue to get ready for tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, we just spoke with uh, John Becker earlier today as they get ready for tomorrow's championship game, and I and I asked Dylan Penn about Dylan Penn. He said he's unlocked our offense. You know, before they obviously were winning a lot of games, but it was defensive-minded. He feels like since Penn has been inserted into a big piece of the offense, not just scoring himself, but really opening it up for everybody, 
Um, and he, he called him the difference maker on the offensive end. Well, certainly can be. 26 points in the semifinal win over Binghamton, 11 of 17 shooting, and a rare four threes for Dylan Penn. So he certainly uh, would take that performance again tomorrow morning. Jay Alter, ESPN. He's going to be on the call for ESPN 2 tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Jay, I look forward to uh, meeting you in person, introducing myself in the uh, media room before the game, and uh, have a good call, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, Brady, really looking forward to it. Don't be a stranger. And uh, I'm just hoping I can hear myself call the game because I hear <laughs> it's going to be that loud. So It is going to be that loud. You'll enjoy the UVM band also, trust me. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. All right. I, I appreciate you having me. Good talking to you as always. Absolutely. Good talking to you as well. Jay Alter, a guy we had on in a couple times in football season. He's done a bunch of Patriots games on ESPN Radio. So uh, they are back from the half, by the way, on the UVM women's game. It's still 17 10. We're two minutes gone by. No one scored yet uh, as we've come out of halftime. I'm going to recap what Jay Alter and I had to talk about in the six o'clock hour. But uh, loved a lot of what he had to say. Loved the way he talked about the America East. Loved the way he talked about Dylan Penn. A lot of good stuff. Reminder, tomorrow I am going to be broadcasting live from the America East title game. I want you to be watching along with me. We're going to do the broadcast on Facebook Live. It's going to be on Facebook Live only. It will not be on the actual radio. Uh, 8.30 until 10.30 will be the uh, the time there. So, Facebook Live. I will have a YouTube link as well on my Twitter account. And a bunch of former Catamounts are going to stop by already. Duncan's going to come through. Steph Smith's going to come through on web chat. We're going to talk with Mike Trimboli. We'll have a good time. 8.30 to 10.30 tomorrow. Facebook Live. Just go to WDEV's Facebook page and check us out. A little Patriots news, including some stuff that makes me kind of sad. We'll talk about it next on DEV. And CBS News. The Brady Farkas Show now has an interactive text line, so reach out now at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. We'll get to some Patriots news here momentarily, some NFL news also as well. An update right now on what's happening at UVM women's basketball, the Catamounts now with a 12-point lead. There's five minutes to play in the third quarter, and the Catamounts are up 25-13. to 13. And kind of what we talked about in the first half is playing out here in the second half. Emma Utterback's athleticism is key here. She's got multiple steals. She just gets out ahead of the break. She's the one who's able to create athletically in transition. She has been absolutely key to this game. And I've always said this. If you are going to win a championship and if you are going to win subsequently in the NCAA tournament, you need to get star-like performances from your stars, right? This team needs Emma Utterback to be very good. This team needs Delaney Richardson to be very good. This team needs Anna Olsen and Catherine Gilwey to all be good. Like, this team needs star performances from their stars. But if you're going to win a big game like this, you also need something else, something you aren't expecting, something that hasn't usually been the case on the stat sheet. And right now, UVM is getting that from a player named Bella Vito. Bella Vito is is a starter on this team. She is a player who plays a lot, but she is not a player who scores a lot. So therefore, she is not a player that we talk about a lot. And Bella Vito has absolutely been integral in this game. 
She's got several offensive rebounds. She hit a tough and contested shot when the team was really struggling to get anything going offensively. She has been excellent today, and that is uh, good stuff. And uh, the Cats are up 25-13 here again in the third quarter. All right, I will continue to keep you posted on what's happening at Patrick Jim, and we will recap what Jay Alter had to say on the uh, – on that interview we had here as we move through the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, the breaking NFL news is this. The Carolina Panthers have traded up in the draft to get the number one pick. The Chicago Bears have moved back to number nine. And let's see what else the official deal is here. Um, all right. So the Bears got... Two twos, uh, two first round picks, two second round picks, and they got Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore. So they got a so the Bears got a wide receiver, two first round picks, and two second round picks. They'll move back to number nine in the draft. So that's where we're at right now. This is huge for a lot of different reasons. Let's first start with Chicago. They are committing to Justin Fields. That's what they're telling you. Right, They had their choice at quarterback at number one, and they're telling you we are committing to Justin Fields. He will be entering, like Mac Jones, year three of his rookie contract. So he will have not that much time to kind of figure this out. They're committing to you. you got to go now. So the Bears are committing to Fields. The Bears have also given Fields some more weaponry, right? So much of the, about the Bears has been that Justin Fields has no help. The offensive line's been bad. The receiving targets have been bad. So they got Chase Claypool last year, and now this year they go out and get DJ Moore, who's a very exciting player at the receiver position. So that's Chicago. Carolina, obviously, they are going to take the they are going to take a quarterback now at number one. There's no doubt about that. And for them. This is going to be a chance for them to get the quarterback position right in a way they haven't in the last three or four years, right? Cam Newton was their guy for a long time. Then they were kind of left with Cam, who was kind of damaged goods, and then they tried to get Matthew Stafford and couldn't. They tried to get Deshaun Watson and couldn't. They had uh, Sam Darnold, who wasn't great. They had P.J. Walker. They had Teddy Bridgewater. They had Baker Mayfield. So the Panthers have been trying at their post-Cam Newton quarterback here for a couple of years, and now they are going to be able to get it. So the Panthers will get a quarterback at one. The Texans can easily take a quarterback at two. Then you start to wonder after that what happens. The Cardinals are at three. Does someone want to trade for them you know, trade up with them to go to go get a quarterback. Indies at four. Are they screwed out of the quarterback market now because of what Carolina just did? Do they need to try to move up to three? I don't know. I don't know. But there's a lot of moving parts right now in the NFL. And here we are a month and change away from the draft and a couple days away from free agency. And the Bears have dealt the number one pick. Some breaking Patriots news from a few hours ago. Devin McCourty, Patriots stalwart, Patriots safety, has officially announced his retirement from the NFL. I think that is a fact. I will always only look good in a patch uniform, um, but I will no longer look good in a patch uniform going forward. Uh, I'm officially uh, retiring from the NFL. Um, it has been a great ride. Um, I got the opportunity to talk to Mr. Kraft, to talk to Bill, um, a lot of the guys on the defensive staff, 
Um, unbelievable ride, man. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's always tough to kind of come to the end. As you know, um, this whole off season has been so much back and forth uh, for me mentally, um, probably not even sharing as much of the thoughts um, that I was just going between from one day to the next day. Um, but ultimately, I think this is the best decision um, for me, my family, for my career. So McCourty is done. 13 seasons, all with the Patriots, three Super Bowl titles, three times an All-Pro, Pro Bowl player at both safety and at corner, and then uh, also 907 career tackles, 35 career interceptions. Devin McCourty, an absolutely stellar career. The next stop for him is the Patriots Hall of Fame. I am shocked by this move. To be perfectly honest with you, I am shocked. I thought Devin McCourty was going to be back. When Matthew Slater announced that he was coming back, I thought that would trigger McCourty to come back. The two, for me, have always gone hand in hand. They're very, very close. We talk about them in the same breath all the time as leaders, as teammates, as playmakers, as great ambassadors for the community. I thought they were going to make decisions together on this. I thought they were going to coordinate. They obviously didn't. So I am surprised that Devin McCourty is hanging up the cleats. And it's a tough blow for a couple of different reasons. One, it's another link gone from the Patriots dynasty. As time goes on, the links to the titles get fewer and fewer. Tom Brady, gone. Gronk, gone. Logan Ryan, LeGarrette Blunt, Steven Goskowski, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, they are all gone. And that's tough, right? We think about the Patriots. We think about the dynasty. We think about their, you know, those Super Bowl victories. They're not a whole lot of links left to them, especially big links. Now, Matthew Slater is one. David Andrews was a part of some of this to a degree. But you're starting to whittle away at the fabric of what you were, and that certainly is tough. And two, this opens up another really big hole in the secondary. Devin McCourty was a rock back there for 13 years. He was nearly always healthy. He was always available, and he was always good. You haven't had to worry about the back end of your secondary in a really long time if you are the Patriots and now you do now you have two safeties already you have Adrian Phillips you have Kyle Duggar so you have some bodies back there but it puts stress on those two guys to stay healthy John Jones is a free agent Jalen Mills is a guy you might cut you're just not sure now there's now holes in the secondary as a whole And that is a worry for a guy in Bill Belichick who loves defense for a Patriots team that's going to need its defense to be really good next year. You don't want to have questions. And now you have questions. McCourty leaving is a question. One of the things we loved about Kyle Duggar this year is his ability to kind of be a ball hawk. Well, McCourty probably afforded him some of that opportunity, right? McCourty would play back there. Phillips would play back there. And Duggar could kind of roam. Well, now you don't have that. You don't have that freedom. You don't have that ability. So... I'm not sure what's going to happen on the Patriots' defensive side. And the Pats need their defense to be good. We talked about this yesterday. Patriots' offense is a work in progress. They're going to need help on that side of the ball again. McCourty gone. Maybe John Jones gone. Jalen Mills possibly gone. There are questions here. 
McCourty leaving creates more of them. 802-585-3026 is the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. The UVM women's basketball team is currently up 28-15. to 28-15 is your score there at Patrick Jim. There is two minutes left in the second half. Two minutes left, excuse me. Two minutes left in the third quarter. So we have uh, about 12 minutes to play in this game. The Catamounts are up 13. The defense for UVM has continued to be stellar. The offense for UVM has gotten better here in the second half. And some of their defense has led to offense. One of the keys also for UVM has been they're not fouling. And they are also being excellent on the glass. They have been great rebounding, which has limited Albany to one shot a lot of times. At halftime, UVM had doubled the amount of shots as Albany did, which is insane because UVM was getting some extra opportunities. Albany is kind of going one shot and out. I don't have the stats in front of me as far as, you know, official, you know, rebounding totals, but it feels like Albany has not had many second chances at all. Catamounts have now doubled them up. It is 30 to 15 right now with one minute to play. Back on the Patriots front. Again, 802 585 3026. The Patriots were reportedly in attendance at Odell Beckham Jr.'s workout today. Right? The longtime Giant, Browns, and Rams wide receiver held a workout today in advance of free agency. Smart on his part. The Patriots were there with it sounded like eight to ten other teams. 802-585-3026. Do you want to see the Patriots make a run at OBJ, the former first round pick and a Super Bowl champion? Remember, he got a title with the Rams. I don't want to give you a cop-out answer, but before I decide if I want Odell Beckham Jr. on the Patriots or if I want the Patriots to make a run, I have to ask this question because for me, it frames the rest of the discussion. What does Odell Beckham Jr. think he is? What does he expect? And what does he want to be? Before I decide if I can take a run at OBJ, I have to answer those questions. I have to know those answers. What does Odell Beckham Jr. think that he is? What does he want to be? And what are his expectations? Because if Odell Beckham Jr. sees himself as the same deep threat that he was in 2015, I don't think he's a fit for the Patriots. If he thinks he's the same go-to number one receiver that he was in 2015 with the Giants, I don't think he's a fit for the Patriots. I don't believe he is that guy anymore. And as a result, if he sees himself that way, I don't think he would be a fit on this roster. Odell Beckham Jr. is 30 years old. He's going to be 31 in November. So he'll turn 31, you know, halfway through the season. So he'll play a lot of the season at the age of 31. He's coming off a year in which he missed an entire season, did not play at all in 2022. He's got two serious leg injuries now on his career resume. If OBJ is expecting to be a featured go-to guy, I cannot promise him that on, I, I cannot promise him that on this team. If he's expecting to be the deep threat home run guy that he used to be, I can't promise him that either. Because I don't think that he is that guy. But he very well might see himself that way, and that's going to cause a problem. I think the Patriots are still a more conservative offense this year. I think they are still a more run-based offense 
this year. If OBJ wants to be going deep every play, if OBJ wants to be a home run threat, I don't think the Patriots are going to play that way. And if OBJ doesn't get what OBJ wants, that's going to cause a problem, and I'm going to have to pass. Now, if OBJ had expectations more in line with what I have in mind, then I would give OBJ a look. If Odell Beckham Jr. is willing to be a number two receiver and catch 55 to 65 balls and use his athleticism when we need it, I would give him a shot for sure. But I don't think that's going to do it for him. I just don't. Guys who have always been a number one have a hard time not seeing themselves as number one. Now, I would take OBJ as a number two receiver, but I don't think he'd see himself that way. And that seems likely to cause a problem, right? Think about it this way. I remember in baseball, right, as a Mariners fan, Felix Hernandez was a stud for a decade, right? Won a Cy Young, threw a perfect game, should have won another Cy Young. One of your top pitchers in your fantasy baseball league for a long time. When Felix started to lose it, he couldn't come to grips with that. They wanted him to change his workout regimen. He wouldn't do it. Hey, this has always worked for me. They wanted to move him to the bullpen. I don't move to the bullpen. I am a starter. Like, And it was a huge point of contention at the end of his career. It was a big deal. Adam Thielen was a guy who played at a Division three school for in uh, Adam Thielen of the Vikings, right? Just got released today, but he'd been with the Vikings. He was a D3 wide receiver and to work for everything. He earned himself to be the number one receiver in Minnesota. When Justin Jefferson gets there, it's probably easy for him to step aside and become the number two. He was never used to being the number one. OBJ has always been the number one. And if he still expects himself to be that way, that's going to cause a problem because I don't think he's that guy anymore. I don't think he's that guy anymore. My gut tells me that if I'm the Patriots, I am out on the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. Because I think this goes in one of two ways. OBJ is willing to be a number two on a championship-level team, of which the Patriots are not perceived to be, so that would knock him out. Or OBJ is willing to go to a bad team in order to prove he's a number one, and maybe someone's willing to give him that chance, but I'm not. Or there's just OBJ wants to be a number one on a great team, and I don't think he is that either. Someone should get OBJ. He will sign somewhere, but he's not going to sign with me, I don't think, because I just don't think that our goals and values are going to line up. 802-585-3026 here on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Texter says, I love OBJ in New England. The Patriots need a big threat. The Patriots do need a big threat, but the Patriots need a threat who... The Patriots need a threat who isn't expecting to always be a threat, if that makes sense, right? Like, let's just consider Tyquan Thornton, okay? Tyquan Thornton is the receiver the Patriots took out of Baylor last year in the second round. He comes in here, right? He's, He's on a rookie contract. He was hurt a lot of last year. He probably doesn't come in here demanding a whole lot. So if Tyquan Thornton catches 45 balls and is the rare deep threat, then that for him is probably good enough. If OBJ comes here and catches 45 balls and is a rare deep threat, that's never going to be good enough for him. So I feel like you need 
that guy who isn't expecting to be the deep threat. Right? I, does that make sense? Like, I would still take a, a receiver number one, you know, potentially at 14 in the draft. That guy's going to come in with some expectations too. But as a rookie, they're probably not going to be that mouthy about their expectations. OBJ could potentially be mouthy about it. You know, he's going to make his demands known. A first-round receiver is probably still likely to play the good soldier like uh, Thornton in that first year. Texter says, I think OBJ is a is a number three receiver at this point, at best. Um, It's very possible. Again, we, he missed the entire season last year. We, we don't know what he is. We don't know what he is. And... He's got two major injuries under his belt. Now, the devastating ankle injury he had with the Giants and the torn ACL from the Super Bowl against the Rams. So he might be a number three. But guys who have always been number ones, they always think they're number ones. And that's just the way this goes, right? And that's part of the reason why they got to be so good is because they always have a belief and a confidence in themselves. But I just don't think OBJ necessarily – like if OBJ is willing to sacrifice, he's going to do it for a team that wants to win a title. And if he's not going to go to a team that wants to win a title or thinks they're going to win a title, then he's going to want to prove that he's the man. And I don't know that either. I don't think that either of those things line up with what the Patriots are. Uh, all right, let's get to who's saying what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? What is he doing? He's stealing money. What the hell is he doing? He should have gotten his surgery. They were out of it in August. Why did they get the surgery done in August? They could have played beginning of the year. Preach it. That's a joke with him. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Texter says Antonio Brown thought he was a number one, and look how that worked out for him. Antonio Brown, I mean, see, Antonio Brown's issues were not that, I don't think. Like, Antonio Brown was a number one. He couldn't keep his head on straight in any number of other ways. So I don't think it was a perception versus reality thing with Antonio Brown in terms of who he was as a football player. It was perception versus reality with Antonio Brown in terms of who he was as a person. So, all right, who's saying what? Jonathan Jones, I mentioned, is a Patriots defensive back who's now a free agent. Uh, he was talking with NBC Sports Boston the other day, and he was asked about what he thinks of Mac Jones. Um, definitely. I mean, he has all the tools. He has all the mechanics to be, you know, a quarterback in this league and a top quarterback in this league. Um, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, the right situations and getting that consistency and, and just continuing to develop, you know. I look at myself coming in undrafted. It's just it's a process, you know, and I think a lot of people want ready-made results, and, and that's just not always the case. But just, you know, as long as he continues to strive to get better and get better, um, it'll always work out. All right, so Jonathan Jones says Mac Jones has all the tools to be a top quarterback in this league. No, he doesn't. Simply put, no, he doesn't. I, But look, I get it. I expect Jonathan Jones to say that, and I respect that he said that. They've been through the battles together. Mac Jones is his buddy. Matt, Jonathan Jones is a free agent who would like to get re-signed by the Patriots, so he's not going to go out and talk bad about a guy who he hopes to play with. I, I know why you're saying that, and I expect you to say that, but you and I know both that that's not true. Mac Jones does not have all the tools to be a top quarterback in this league. Not right now. Mac Jones doesn't have the speed of Jalen Hurts. He doesn't have the power of Josh Allen. He doesn't have the arm strength and the ingenuity of Patrick Mahomes. 
he doesn't even have the kind of pizzazz factor that Joe Burrow has. Mac Jones has all the tools to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. That is true. Like Jared Goff, like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Dak Prescott, like Geno Smith, like all of these other quarterbacks who are good but not great, like Kirk Cousins. These guys are all starters. They all deserve to be in the league, and they are all probably better than we give them credit for, but they are not the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Mac Jones does not have the stuff to be a top quarterback in the NFL. He is good. He has the potential with a great situation to be have a very good season, but he is not a top-tier quarterback. He just isn't. And Jonathan Jones knows that. I promise you that if Jonathan Jones was playing defense against, you know, if Jonathan Jones is a defender, he's looking on the schedule and he's saying, okay, we got Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. Uh, we got all that herds. Oh, we got Mac. That's the guy we want to play. 100%. You know it and I know it. That Mac Jones is the quarterback he would want to face most of several different matchups. So I appreciate that you're sticking up for your buddy, but he doesn't, Mac Jones does not have the goods to be the top quarterback in the NFL or to be a top quarterback in the NFL. An update on the UVM and UAlbany game. 6.40 to play. UVM up 8, 30-22. Albany is on a 7-0 run. They have upped the intensity defensively. Catamounts have gone cold from the field. If you're thinking about wondering who's kind of carried UVM in this game, it, I don't have all the stats in front of me, but Emma Utterback is the player who has carried them offensively. Anna Olsen's done some nice things. Delaney Richardson has hit at least 1-3. Catherine Gilwee has really struggled from the floor, but Bella Vito, again, has done a great job on the rebounding front. I'll, I'm going to pull – can we pull up the stats here uh, right now? Yes, we can. So let's uh, – I'll tell you exactly kind of where – everyone is at right now uh Catherine Gilby is having a dreadful shooting game right now she's got a lot on her plate obviously in terms of being the point guard for this team but she is oh for 14 from the floor so and they're they're not all bad shots she's had some looks but she has had to force some Emma Utterback has 15 she has half of UVM points Olsen has seven and as for uh as for Bellavito, she has nine rebounds, four of which are offensively. So, excellent job. Anna Olsen has 14 rebounds right now to go along with seven points. So, uh, just a dominant game down low for her. She's got nine points now. Big bucket there, 32-22. to 22. Catamounts is your score. Speaking of the Catamounts, we're going to take a look at the men's side of thing. Uh, T, uh, Texter says, what TV station is the women's game on? It's on ESPNU. If you do not get that, you can watch it on ESPN Plus if you have an account there. Utterback scores again. She's got 17. The Cats are up 12. Five minutes to play as uh, we head towards a media timeout. We'll, we'll go from the UVM women to the UVM men. And uh, Jay Alter of ESPN was with us in the last hour, gave his thoughts on the uh, – America East Championship game ahead between UVM and UMass Lowell. We'll react to what he had to say. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. 
This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Worst-case scenario stuff right now for the UVM women's basketball team. The Catamounts' lead is down to five. It is 34-29. to 29. There are four and a half minutes to play. UVM has had to send Emma Utterback to the bench with her fourth foul. And we've said it all season for the UVM women. If there's one thing that they can't afford to have, it's foul trouble. They are not particularly deep, right? Again, we've said this before, too. They are getting more contributions from their bench, but those contributions cannot supplant what Emma Utterback brings to this team. So now Utterback's on the bench with four fouls. Here's what UVM has lost. They have lost an excellent defender. They have lost their most athletic player, who is the only one, again, who can kind of create offensively against Albany's defense. And now, as Albany has started to press, UVM has lost a senior leader who has composure and has lost a key ball handler. And UVM has turned the ball over on two consecutive possessions, and it's potentially a third here. It's a jump ball up to see which way it goes. But U Albany is pressing. UVM has turned it over on back-to-back possessions. They're having trouble getting the ball inbounds. They're having trouble breaking the press. They're having trouble bringing it in. And now they've brought Emma Utterback back in. They can't afford to have her out. And if I'm Albany, I'm going to go right at her and try to get her that fifth foul. So we will see what happens here. But uh, this is worst-case scenario stuff with Utterback getting her fourth foul. They can't afford to have any of their starters really out of this thing. And uh, now with Utterback in foul trouble, it's a big deal. That jump ball went Albany's way. So that's three consecutive turnovers here for the Catamounts against the press as we come up on four minutes to play. 34-29. We'll get to the UVM men in a minute. I just want to ask people, just a blanket question. How are you as excited as I am by all of this? Because I said at the beginning of the show that if I'm this invested, and I'm not from here and I didn't go to UVM, if I'm this invested, how invested are all of you? I assume that all of you are as invested or more than all of I am, than I am. I want to hear it from you. How excited are you? Am I overstating it? Am I understating it? How many of you are going to Patrick Jim tomorrow? How many of you are planning your Saturday around it how many of you when the brackets come out can't wait to see if uvm is is there both men and women you should be feeling that way i'm here to tell you you should be excited there's a text from ronald there's a text from uh, nancy there's a text from marvin they all say that they are in on these catamount teams and a couple of them say specifically really rooting for the uvm women yeah the catamount women it's a great story but they're more than a great story they are an excellent team and uh jump ball there that one's going to go uvm's way three and a half minutes to play texter says brady you do talk too much about uvm i i disagree and we're you know we're in vermont it's the only d1 school in vermont texter says talk more about norwich well we talk about we talk with cam ellsworth every single week and i can't wait to see what happens with uh with the norwich uh, men's hockey team up against uh, plattsburgh uh tomorrow night seven o'clock we're gonna have the coverage for you on dev as well so Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to high school hoops tomorrow. We've got the D3 title game between Hazen and Winooski. That's going to be a 3.30 start for us. And then again, the uh, 
Plattsburgh Norwich game in hockey at uh, 6.35. All right. We had Jay Alter on earlier. He's the broadcaster for ESPN who's going to be uh, on the call for UVM and uh, UMass Lowell. He brought up a very interesting point here strategically in this game. You know, how how does UMass Lowell use Kula Bali, who is a really back-to-the-basket big man? I remember covering him at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he's an ACC-level talent that, you know, UMass Lowell is really fortunate to get. Um, and Vermont doesn't have a guy that can really match up against them, yeah. and they like to go one through five, so that'll be – That'll be interesting. And then can they exploit Koulibaly on the offensive end because he doesn't want to go out and guard you. And, of course, the Catamounts always have five guys that can pass, dribble, and shoot on the court. Yeah, interesting stuff there. So you, so UMass Lowell has a big guy that is a big problem. And John Becker said they are very, very big. So the question for UVM becomes a couple of different things. One, how can UVM defend the big man in the post? They're going to need to get, obviously, contributions from Robin Duncan. They're going to have to get contributions from Matt Verretto. And then on the bench, coming off the bench, they're going to have to be able to get contributions from Nick Fiorillo. John Becker mentioned that specifically the other day, that Nick Fiorillo, who's coming back from injury, we haven't seen him much. Um, you know, we've seen him for 10 minutes here, 12 minutes here or so. Um we said we got to get him. In, we had to get him into games. We want him ready for this challenge. So Nick Fiorillo is going to have to provide them something off the bench, at least defensively and rebounding, holding his own to give guys a break. So that's on the defensive side of things. Rebounding obviously is the same. Got to be able to keep him off the glass. Offensively, I think will be the bigger thing. Jay Alter says he does not want to. He doesn't want to go outside the lane. Well, how does UVM try to get him in a mismatch? Because Robin Duncan's not going to be a guy who shoots the ball from deep. So that's not who you want on him. You want to try to create situations where Matt Verretto's on him, where a guard's on him, and where he won't follow them out there, and you can create some threes. UVM can get some threes from Finn Sullivan. They can get them from Verretto. they got to find a way to get the big guy involved in guarding those guys where they can then create some easy shots or some, some open outside looks at least. So... Um, that's going to be a big factor in this game, how they can create shots on the outside. Uh, also from Jay Alter, he had this to say about the what he's heard about Dylan Penn. John Becker earlier today as they get ready for tomorrow's championship game, and I, and I asked Dylan Penn about Dylan Penn. He said he's unlocked our offense. You know, before – they obviously were winning a lot of games, but it was defensive-minded. He feels like since Penn has been inserted into a big piece of the offense, not just scoring himself, but really opening it up for everybody. Um, and he, he called him the difference maker on the offensive end. Yeah, Dylan Penn has helped open up the offense. It was a decision that was made by the Catamounts and by John Becker uh, probably early on in conference play. It's what we called for, remember? Dylan Penn being the point guard. This is something UVM did that was absolutely a necessity. Remember back earlier in the year, Dylan Penn's playing off the ball. And that was a problem because Dylan Penn is not really an outside shooter. So he stands in the corner, gets the ball, and then what's he going to do with it? Robin Duncan's not an outside shooter. So now what's he going to do with it? By And Finn Sullivan is a shooter. He was playing point guard 
Well, if he's playing point guard, he, it's kind of hard for him to create for himself when he's got to worry about getting everybody involved. So basically you were taking a lot of different offensive pieces and putting them in places where they weren't going to be real advantageous to you. Early in conference season, John Becker switched it up, which is exactly what we called for. Dylan Penn played the point guard position, and then he was going to be able to have the ball in his hands, use his athleticism to get to bring the ball up the court, get downhill, get a full head of steam, and then he could kick to shooters like Finn Sullivan. Both Dylan Penn and Finn Sullivan took off when John Becker made that change because now Finn Sullivan's able to stand on the perimeter, and he's able to, uh, yeah, he's able to stand on the perimeter. He's able to catch and shoot. Dylan Penn's able to have all that momentum going towards the basket, and that's what you look for. And that's how the offense runs. And starting, you know, about game four or five in conference, Catamounts did that. And that's exactly what they should have done. So, and, you know, that's what we thought they should have done all along. One of the first highlights that I ever saw of Dylan Penn were, I was like, okay, this guy needs to have the ball in his hands and just needs to get downhill, needs to be able to go to the basket, and then needs to be able to draw defenders and needs to be able to kick out. That's what I was looking for all along. The minute that UVM started doing that is when the offense took off and uh finally jay alter talked about loving the way the america east handles the conference tournament which allows you to play all of your games at the higher seated building rather than a neutral site like most other conference tournaments i think the america east has it right i think this is all about serving the fans and what's better than a home gym you 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 earned the right make the regular season mean something so i think every conference should do it the way the America East does it. You get to celebrate with your home fans. I just think that is that is what the sport is all about right there. I don't know if every conference should do it, but I do love the way this works out for the America East. I do love the way this works out for UVM for a couple of different reasons. The main reason is what Jay said in that you – oh, the UVM women's game is getting very interesting. I will give you an update on that in a second. But I love that – the higher-seeded teams get to host games, which allows you a chance to get to the best team winning the conference. And that's important because if the best team can win the conference, then the best team goes to the NCAA, and the, that team has a chance, the best chance to win a game. And if you win a game, then that's good for the league, exposure, money-wise, etc. So that's good. This system creates the best team having a chance to go to the tournament. The other reason is for the fans. Right, The game is always guaranteed to be well attended. The championship game will always be attended. It's no good when you go to these smaller conference tournaments and the games are sparsely attended. That's like the worst. Right, I can't tell you when I was living in Albany how many times I went to the MAC tournament in Albany and when Siena was out, the building just emptied. And you get a championship game nationally televised on Monday with you know 1,100 fans. You don't want that. You want your building full and having your Having a game on campus assures you a full gym. That's what we've got right now for the UVM women who earned it. That's what we got for the UVM men tomorrow. And it does make your regular season matter. You are always playing for something. Everybody says, oh, in a one-bid league, all that matters is the tournament. Well, the conference tournament. Well, yeah, but to have the best chance to win the conference tournament, your regular season matters, and that's important. So, good stuff. Okay, the UVM women. Up 36-31 with 38 seconds to play. Catamounts have gotten to the free throw line a couple of times. Emma Utterback went one of two. Catherine Gilwee went one of two. 
Utterback has 18 points. She has exactly half of UVM scoring. Uh, Gil, we uh, 0 for 15 from the floor. I We loved having her on yesterday. She was great. This is not one of her better statistical games. Again, she's had a lot on her plate. She's had to take some really tough shots, you know, the shot clock buzzer going down. It's not it's not as ugly as it looks. She's kind of been put into some of those positions, but uh she does have just the one point. But how about 16 rebounds from Anna Olson to go along with 9 points? How about Bella Vito with 9 rebounds? 37 and a half seconds to play. The Catamounts are that long away from a trip to the NCAA tournament. They are up five points we'll come back and put a bow on the show and tell you how this one's ends how this one ends we'll do it next here in the Brady Farkas show brought to you by Fecto Homes on DEV 36-33 with 34 seconds to play .com. your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026 this is Field Yates of ESPN and you're listening to the Brady Farkas show on WDEV radio and the WDEV app we're coming out of the wire in the UVM women's game, 37-33 Catamounts with 19 seconds to play. Let me tell you this tomorrow. You've heard us talk about, and you've heard the ads for R&L Archery. R&L Archery is located at 70 Smith Street in Barrie. Let me tell you real quick, tomorrow they are doing something incredible. They open up tomorrow at 9 a.m. If they, so they're, they're an outdoor sporting goods store, outdoor sporting goods store in Barrie. They open at 9 a.m. You stop in tomorrow early. You want to get there as early as possible. Get there, you know, get there at 9, get there at 10. You put your name in a raffle, right? You put your name on a piece of paper. It goes into the raffle, and that gets you in the raffle, obviously. Then you will have one chance to try a combination in a safe. If you can get it right, you're going to win, right? So you're going to get your name in the raffle. You're going to get a chance to open, to guess what the combination to the safe is. If you guess right, there's $4,000 worth of stuff in there. $4,000 worth of stuff. If you get it right, you get all the 4000 If at the end of the day, nobody has guessed it right, then they're going to pull a winner. So somebody tomorrow is winning $4,000 worth of outdoor sporting goods. Like, I'm looking at their website right now, rnlarchery.com. They've got hunting stuff. They've got archery stuff. There's stuff there with guns. they got a lot of apparel and equipment in there that you outdoor sportsmen and sportswomen will love. Okay? They are located at 70 Smith Street in Barrie. They open at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Again, here's what happens. You get there. You get there early. You put your name in the raffle. Once you do that, you are guaranteed an opportunity to try to guess the combination to the safe. If you guess right, $4,000 worth of stuff in the safe is yours. Yours. No strings attached. If you don't get it right, okay. If nobody else gets it right, then they're going to pull a winner. So you're going to have two chances to try to win all this stuff. Either get the combination to the safe or maybe just get your name pulled. $4,000 worth of stuff. RNL Archery, Smith Street, in Barrie. The UVM women's basketball team, 11 seconds to play, up 37 33. They are 11 seconds away from their first trip to the NCAA tournament in 13 years. We are stuck in a review right now about whose ball it is. This is a big, a big decision here. I did not get a look really at it, but 
I'm going to stay on the air until we find out who officially wins this game. Jazz with George Thomas is supposed to go from 7 till 9. If this game goes beyond 7, sorry, CBS News. Sorry, Jazz with George Thomas. I'm staying on the air. I've been doing double duty watching this game and talking to you and reading the text line all show long. I deserve to see how it ends, and you deserve to hear how it ends. So I'm willing to bump whatever else is necessary in order to bring you the end of it. 11 seconds to play, Albany ball. Albany takes it out underneath their basket. Here I'm doing some play-by-play. -play. Albany wide open, three, she hits it. 37-36, nine seconds to play. The Catamounts have to get the ball inbounds. Bellavito inbound pass. Delaney Richardson has it. She is fouled. She's going to go to the line, and she's going to get two free throws. Delaney Richardson will have two free throws with seven seconds left to try to get up here by three. Unbelievable drama, as Stuart Scott used to say. I feel like I'm like on the whip around coverage of the NCAA tournament. Remember, like, they go, okay, we're going to this game. Now we're going to Chicago. Now we're going to Portland. Now we're going to Buffalo. That's kind of what I feel like right now. Like, one minute I'm talking Patriots. One minute I'm talking RNL Archery. The next minute I'm talking UVM men's hoops. And now here we are, Delaney Richardson at the line with seven seconds to play. Texter gives me a thumbs up emoji. I don't know what we're thumbs upping, but I thank you very much for that. Um,. I don't know if they're telling me thing, thumbs up to RNL Archery, thumbs up to, I don't know, but thank you very much. Remember, the Brady Farkas Show, as we're looking at a review here, probably on the time, uh, Brady Farkas Show tomorrow, broadcasting live from the America East Men's Basketball Championship game. I'm going to be there 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., so I'll be there for two hours for the official, well, unofficial pregame show. You can watch it on Facebook Live. You can stream it on YouTube as well. I'll have a link on my Twitter account. 8.30 till 10.30. It's very, very simple. And uh, just watch us on Facebook Live. Mike Trimboli is going to stop by. Ernie Duncan, Steph Smith, some of your favorite former Catamounts are going to be with us. Uh, Texter says, thank you for updating us on the game. So, uh, yeah. I don't know what we're reviewing here. I'm not. I don't know what we're reviewing. Delaney Richardson was fouled. I think it's the time, but I'm not a thousand percent of it. Are they seeing if it was an intentional foul? I mean, obviously they were trying to foul Delaney Richardson, but I don't know. Again, I'm watching this game right now with no sound on. So your guess is as good as mine. Do they think Bellavito moved illegally passing the ball in, didn't keep her feet stationary? I, I think it's the time. I think Delaney Richardson was fouled with 7.5 seconds left, and they had it at 7.1. So I think she's going to get a chance here to hit to shoot free throws and try to, you know, potentially win this game. But U Albany has no timeouts remaining, it appears. So if Delaney Richardson misses free throws, they're going to have to go the length of the court in seven seconds or so. But, again, we're going to stay on here. Until this game ends, 7.1 seconds to play. Um, if it goes overtime, we're all screwed because then I can't bump George Thomas for that long. He came in today and made the long drive from his home. He's got to go on the air at an appropriate time. I, so we better not go overtime. Are they clearly, I hope they're not looking at this as in terms of an intentional foul. They clearly tried to foul her, but it wasn't malicious intentional. It's just, oh, they did call something intentional. 
Richardson is at the line shooting the intentional free throws. Missed it. So it's 37-36. She's going to shoot one more intentional free throw. Hits it. It's 38-36. And now UVM has the ball, so they're going to have to take it out. They're going to have to get it in. And then they're going to have to hit more free throws. UAlbany, again, has no timeout, so we should just be able to take you right until the end here. Bellavito passes it in. Catherine Gilwee has it. The CVU product will go to the line with 5.5 seconds to play. And if she hits both, this game is effectively over. If she hits one, Albany will have a chance to go down the floor and tie the game. Five and a half seconds to play. Um, Gilwee waiting for the ball from the ref. The last moments of a basketball game, I tell you what, when we talk about timeouts and reviews, oh, someone called a timeout. Oh, my goodness. Well, now I know this commercial we're going to have to move and that commercial we're going to have to move. And sorry to, uh, well, let's see. That, no, that can all be moved. We're good. No no issues there, everybody. Everybody's okay. Uh, I would love to get you on here without having to blow through the CBS News, but I can't promise you that that's not going to happen. So, Catherine Gill, we're going to go to the line. Jazz with George Thomas is standing by, trying to get on here at its proper time. Again, remember, UVM men's basketball tomorrow will broadcast live 8.30 until 10.30. So, uh, Ernie Duncan, Jake Marsh is going to stop by as well. Remember, he is a uh, podcast personality over at Barstool Sports with the Pardon My Take crew. So, excellent stuff there from Jake. He'll be with us, I think, at about 9.45. We're going to have him come in. So, I'm looking forward to to see and uh, Jake Marsh have not seen him for a while since he left the UVM broadcast scene. Yeah, he got the bar stool, but before that, he was a broadcaster at UVM. Texter says, I want to hear the end of the game. I'm not leaving you, I promise you. But the CBS News, we're going to join it in progress. If the bosses want to get mad at me, then so be it. I'll take it on the chin. Uh, Catherine Gilwee at the line. She has one point, one for two at the line today. The ref is getting confirmation from the other ref and the scorer's table that they are ready to go. Other ref has their hand up. Now, are we going to be, are we going to shoot the free throws, people? Give the ball to Gilwee and let's get these free throws shot, please. Everybody wants to see how this ends, including me. CVU product, Catherine Gilwee at the line. Misses the first. 6.7 seconds to play. So clearly they put on a second, 1.2 seconds. Gilwee's got to hit this. Albany has enough time to move down the floor. If she misses, though, maybe a rebound gets batted around and wastes some time. Gilwee misses that one, too. That's exactly what happens. The rebound gets batted out, but it goes off Gilwee. There's four seconds to play. Albany does not have a timeout. They are going to have enough time to get a shot off. The question is, will they get the three off or will they get the two off? Albany's taking it out relatively. They're on the side, but they're on their own side of the floor. So they get a ball in deep in the backcourt. Going towards half court, three seconds. Half court heave. No, UVM wins it. They're going dancing. I'm joining CBS News in progress. See you tomorrow from Patrick Jim for the America East title game. Go, Cats, go.
This is WDEV, Vermont's news station, owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. From the top of Sugarbush, 96.1 FM, WDEV Warren and Waitsfield, 96.5 W243 Barry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, streaming at WDEVradio.com. 91 years of serving Vermont, the friendly pioneer, WDEV. 